And now, proper propaganda. Watch it. Pull my mic back. You like that? Journalists with journalists too. We can strike back. Hardcore reporters with orders from headquarters. Behind enemy lines. Sidestepping the borders. If you're just tuning in to Civic Cipher, I'm your host, Ramses Ja. He is Ramses Ja. I am Q Ward. And you are listening to Civic Cipher. Yes, indeed. Um, stick around. We still got a lot more show for you. We're going to uh, touch on a few more of these topics. And then we're going to discuss how it feels to have to wade through all this stuff. Because... If you are one of our non-melanated brothers or sisters, um, and this is your weekly dose of an alternative reality, um, it might not be over as overwhelming, but a lot of this stuff feels very personal. It, it's very triggering. It reminds us of stories we've lived through, as we've mentioned. Um, and so we're going to discuss that um, a little bit as well. Also, we're going to spend some time talking about the history of rhythm and blues. You know, we talked about the history of house music. It's black roots um, that go to Chicago and to a very specific drum machine and some gospel samples and some disco music. But now we're going to talk about R&B. And uh, first, though, we're going to talk about becoming a better ally. Baba. So um, we've asked many times for you to consider donating to the NAACP. Um, of course, you can always donate to Civic Cipher, but the NAACP is a very, very old institution and they fight battles on fronts um, that we are just not as effective with, you know, on those fronts. They are, they go behind doors, they do this sort of stuff. Well, um, we're going to let you know uh, some of the things that your dollars go to and ask again that you continue to support the NAACP. So um, we got a letter from them recently and it says uh, as follows. When we say the NAACP is fighting to end racial inequality, these aren't just words. Our work tackles every corner of American life from clean drinking water to fair legislative districts. And thanks to our grassroots community, the NAACP has the power and resources to advance equality on not just one front, but on all of them. Um, here are just four of the many issues we're fighting in our work for true racial equality and freedom. Inclusive economy. Um, after generations of discrimination, investments in communities of color are vital to closing the racial wealth gap. We're working with elected officials and private partners to provide resources to black businesses, implement a federal minimum wage, cancel student debt, reverse racist housing policies, and more. Police reform and criminal justice. Our criminal justice system is shaped by biased policing and unfair judicial precedents. After securing the executive order on police reform this June, uh, the NAACP is pushing to go further. Um, now, voting rights and democracy. More than a century after the right to vote was declared a fundamental uh, right that's under attack, since 2020, the NAACP has challenged anti-voter laws in over 10 states and is mobilizing 2 million activists to ensure Black voters are informed and Black voices are heard. And then finally, environmental and climate justice, um, which disproportionately threatens the health and livelihoods of communities of color. So, again, the NAACP could always use your support, and that is how you can become a better ally. Now, back to these mini stories. Um, there is a uh, story that we had to talk about, um, about a home that, uh, and we talked about this before, you remember this, uh, a home that was appraised with a, quote, black owner. Uh, the price came back at $472,000. Swapped out owners with a white owner, and then that home appraised for $750,000. Um, Nathan Connolly and his wife 
Shani Mott say an appraisal company undervalued their home based on their race. Again, that comes from the New York Times. So again, this is something that we talked about on the show before. We had a few examples back then. I remember we had maybe three or four examples. Um, and the, those examples, you have to bear in mind that our content for the show comes from reputable news sources. So this made headlines as much as a year and a half ago. And then, um, of course, this story we're talking about today is a recent headline. So you can see these things are still going on. You can see how these things contribute to economic inequality, which has innumerable factors. And, and it influences Black life in immeasurable ways. And we're just talking, again, about one facet. Can we get uh, the, the, the fair value of our house? You know, the same building. Same content, same location. We're just black and we own it. You know, in fact, not for nothing. If I ever have ever have to get my house appraised, I'm probably going to use the same trick because it seems like it works. I can get some extra money off this property. But it goes to show you what black life can be like. You know what I mean? Um, and how... How do I say this? So there's there's something that we say. We have to be twice as good to be good enough, right? Something like that. Effectually, this is what is said in black circles. We have to try twice as hard to get half a chance. These sorts of things. This is a this is part and parcel to our experience. Um this is sort of something that illustrates exactly what we're on about. Let's say we have a goal that we want to have a million dollars to leave to our children at the end of our lives. You can very easily see that, yes, we have to be twice as good, <laughs> you know, to matter in, in a world that is not really set up for people like us to thrive. We're still human beings. We're still endowed with the same consciousness, the same intelligence, the same physical attributes and qualities and, you know, so forth. But there are systems in place and prejudices that exist in corners, either conscious or unconscious, um, that work against us in our efforts to be all that we can be, right? Um, and the fact that this show exists to illuminate those things is um, a testament to the fact that people need to know about it. Because if I was not telling you this, there's a good chance you would never know what happened, especially if you're not a black person or a brown person. You, this, these stories perhaps don't make their way into your life. And that is, I believe, the biggest tragedy of all of this. It's because I do believe that if you listen to me, if you listen to Q, if you listen to Maggie, um, I believe that you want to be a good person, perhaps. You want the world to be a bit, bit better place. Otherwise, why listen to this content? And this might be the first time you're hearing something like this. And this is every day for us, right? So one of the questions that we wanted to ask or that, uh, you know, our producer wanted us to ask is that, um, is it okay that we feel like this? So I'm going to throw that one to you. I mean, the, the quick and easy, straightforward answer is no. Is it okay to feel this way? Of course. Is it okay that we feel this way? Absolutely not. I like that. It is... Um, it is grossly traumatic 
And we have to spend a lot of time kind of pretending not to be traumatized. Thank you. Because we'd be constantly angry. Thank if you. we if we actually thought about our reality constantly, we'd be mad a lot. And an interesting thing about us doing this show is that we're reminded of our reality far more often than really everyone else that we know. Yeah. So we have to spend a lot of time. I have to spend a lot of time trying not to be overtly angry. And I, I think that's why I'm the least optimistic half of Civic Cipher or third of Civic Cipher, right? Because like even some of the things that the NAACP is fighting for, like I'm reading that stuff, like you guys can't really think this stuff is ever going to happen. Like you can't. Like this country is going to be more financially equitable for us. Like are you, is anyone paying attention to the entire history of not just this country, but the world, right? Like we, we speak about what has become an absolute environment for us everywhere, right? Anywhere on earth that's been colonized, which is about 80% of earth racism exists because the colonizers were white, white Europeans, almost always Europe is what six, 7% of the earth, eight, I'll say 8% of the land mass on earth. They've colonized 80%, right? So we, we try to think back throughout history about the ideas that, well, any people with power would have, no. Just one, one group. Just one group yeah. for the history of earth has sought to go as far away from where they're from to take everything from everyone else. Let me, let me, let me um, add something right here, if I may. So I, I have to, just so that I'm doing my, my job as, as good as I can, I have to subscribe to some far-right racists, pro-white content. Because I need to know what people are thinking about. I need to know what conversations you, our listener, are subjected to when you go back home and have to interact with your grandmas and grandpas with their Trump hats. You know, I need to know what's going on in those circles and do my best to try to give you information to where you are armed when you are confronted with these detached realities that, that your, your people might, <laughs> might subscribe to. Um, and one of the things that I find and it's important that I share this with you. One of the things I find is that, you know, a lot of times in these rooms on the internet, these places on the internet, it, it white oftentimes men celebrate the fact that they are these conquerors. They are these great conquerors, right? Um, and I think it's really important to bear in mind that to conquer is sure it's something that a person could do you could wake up and say you know what? i'm going to conquer someone else right it's a philosophy you could have it's a way of life right it, it it exists as a state of mind um and there are so many others 
you know, one of the uh, the things that um, uh, a movie we saw recently, uh, it was, it was uh, uh, Maggie B. Nolan and I. She do. <laughs> we saw a movie about, uh, the old movie was called Avatar, the one with the blue people, the real tall blue people on a planet a long time ago. It was an old movie. Um, we were watching it just because it was on. And, you know, I think that a lot of the, the, the characters in that movie, they were based off of like, like native tribes that you you might have found yes, here a blue indigenous indigenous culture i don't even know right. what we call them people right that's very specific to us yeah they were they were alive yes so we'll leave it there anyway um but these people these alive beings uh they were not insofar as i could tell focused on conquering that philosophy did not enter into their mind much like um, or at least not conquering to the degree of what we've seen with our European, our brothers and sisters of European ancestry. Well, actually, not at all, though. You don't. Even, you don't have to. Um, we don't have to trade semantics. They weren't interested in conquering at all. Mm -hmm. Hunting, gathering, living, loving. And I think that's that, it. I think that that is doable now the thing is a lot of our the people that i find in these little corners of the internet they feel like it's eat or be eaten kill or be killed and that is a philosophy i am being fair it is it does exist as a philosophy right law of the jungle but i think that as human beings being more evolved um i think that we have the capacity to cooperate um with each other and uplift each other and fortify each other and i think that our tendency over the majority of our time as humans not neanderthals and whatever we were before we reached this part the majority of our time in this current form has been co cooperative i mean to say that you're right wouldn't even be saying enough like look over the readings in the the i the ideology of conquerors with regards to the very cooperative people they conquered thank you like listen to and read about how they speak about our aboriginal and native people mm -hmm. of this country the people that conquered them almost not almost made very very light of how cooperative and accepting they were as they planned to so watch this so for those people who end up on those corners of the internet um affirming how great a conqueror um the the white clan has been um over throughout history um the rest of us really don't see it that way we wonder like why do you need so much? Why it's like we feel like it's crazy to need to want more than you need. Why would you want more than what you want? You know, it, there's there's a tree that grows apples, right? And if I'm hungry, I can go to the tree and take an apple and eat it. I don't need to take the whole tree. I can't eat all the apples. That's crazy. And, and then even, the tree and dies. Even if you took the tree for yourself, why do you have to take? everyone else's tree you know what i'm trying to say it's just it's the craziest thing and so um i just wanted to offer that now <laughs> um oh before i forget what yeah, i was go going to say good racism exists in the entire colonized world mm -hmm. nowhere does it exist so flagrant and violently here. as it does here yeah so is it okay to feel how we feel was the question mm -hmm my trauma starts there mm. my children are beautiful i know you think that about your kids too and you should but my kids are incredible i know he's gonna say but but they're not going to always be kids 
specifically my boy as his arms and legs grow muscles and the sun kisses his skin a little bit more and if one day he doesn't wear his hair how it grows out of his head but he decides he wants to twist it or braid it or lock it how fast does he go from this beautiful thing to something that as Ramses would say scares people I think that's crap until he turns into something that they hate you don't seek out and destroy things you're afraid of you run from them when you run towards them to kill them that is not fear so yeah it is okay for me to feel this way because how could I not it is not okay that I feel this way now I want to I want to get back to what it means for us to go through these stories every week. Again, we have a heavy dose every week. Um as we shared on the show before, Q and I often will take turns watching videos where we know we're going to see some trauma. Um we're going to see black death or black harm um and and you know we've come up with a system that we think works for us but it's only the only thing we can say is that it works as good as it can um we try our best not to watch everything so that we're not overwhelmed and we don't become desensitized to the loss of human life and particularly the loss of black life. Um, one of the stories that we didn't get to this week is, um, and I know that we both saw this one, but this gives you an idea of how heavy this stuff can be. I'm not a soft person. I'm, I mean that from the bottom of my heart. I am not that, but I am a human being who feels things. I think that's the hardest thing I could say. I'm 40. Somebody would say something to me. You know what I'm saying? I've, I've, I've been doing this, right? We saw a video. Of some police officers, three police officers, and it was on a man. And it was punching this dude in the face. And the officer grabbed this dude by his hair. And he picked his head up. And he slammed his head into the concrete. Do me a favor, Maggie. Can you find out what video that was? Because I don't have it right here, but. We, um, like, it's hard for me to even talk about it. Like, it's like, what is wrong with y'all? Why, why is that? Not, how can you feel good about that? This, even if somebody hurt you, this person has already been subdued. This person is mounted. This person is laying on their stomach. No weapon, not posing a threat. There are three officers present. One of them has gripped the side of this person's head by the roots of their hair and proceeds to pummel their head and their face into the concrete. There is no explanation as to why that was necessary or how that person who clearly doesn't have a, a stable mental situation. So here's a, here's a crazy 
peace officer. <laughs> I'm glad you said that, man. I, I, so listen, so these these guys, uh, Maggie, just let let us know that these officers are from uh, Arkansas, and they're on paid leave right now. Paid because the leave because the investigated the investigation is going on. So because I, the video isn't enough, right? We, we saw it. We gotta. So again, journalistic integrity compels us to tell as much of the story as we know at this point. Um, the officer said that this, the gentleman that they were subduing, um, was, uh, he's the person that initiated, uh, the, um, the altercation. Um, and that's really as much as I got, you know, and then we, the video picks up and it's someone just kind of filming the officers. And then if you've seen the video, um, hopefully we've given you enough if you want to look it up, but I take our word for it. This is not worth watching unless you really enjoy watching people get harmed, um, which I don't, it disgusts, it just disgusts, like it turns my stomach. I couldn't imagine actually it does that every time. Exactly. It doesn't go away. Turns my stomach every time. So, you can see on the officer's face as soon as they see that they're getting filmed because someone's like filming from like the backseat of a car or something. I don't know exactly where their vantage point is, but you could, you could tell they're not close to the officers. They've zoomed in on the officers and they're watching the officers just beat this guy and it, like Rodney King beat him. Right. Um, it surprises me that after that officer slammed his head into the, to the concrete with all his strength, that the man didn't die. He picked by his hair, picked him boom, right in the concrete. You know that sound that a head makes when it hits the concrete? I know that sound. He did it on purpose. And then they kept beating him after that. Nobody was like, whoa, did we wake up this morning to end a life? Because that's what it sounds like we're doing. Well, Nobody what, stopped. Nobody. What you might have noticed, however, what you might have noticed, however, is that when one of the quote unquote good guys intervenes, they get strapped up by their neck. Sure. Or by her neck. Yeah. You've seen that. And they do it to police officers too. They'll there do it to each no, other. There is no equity in being the good guy in that situation. You subscribe to what they subscribe to, or they will make sure that they alienate harm, um, at least alienate and harm you physically and probably and most likely make you a pariah professionally as well um it's important that we say his name uh so we will say his name randall uh warchester i believe that's how i say his last name that's i, I know the sauce so i've always heard it as warchester sauce i don't know if that's if i've ever been saying that right but anyway um yeah so randall warchester um and uh he's the person who is the another recent victim of uh, police violence. And again, we're talking about what it means for us. Um, and we know that even black people that don't work in a media space like we do um, might not have to deal with the amount of stuff that we have to deal with, but that amount is still not zero and their personal connection to seeing black bodies just like theirs being harmed day in and day out, story after story over and over again can be overwhelming. And um, 
it's just something that we all need to keep in mind because it's the sort of thing that makes you want to pull into a well-lit gas station before you get out of your car and interact with the police. There is a real primal fear, not imaginary like we often say happens with the police, a real fear because, again, the police have the real guns. So let's just keep that in mind. Uh, moving on, it's time for the Way Black History Fact. This one comes to you from Hip Hop Weekly magazine. Uh, we pulled a story from the Library of Congress. And today we are discussing the history of rhythm and blues. Um, so depending on what station you're listening to, you might get a R&B song after this, or you might have heard one before we started talking. But um, it's important that you know the history of all the music. Any music with a beat goes back to Africa because that's where the drum comes from and that's where the heartbeat comes from. So um, we like to claim all that, but certainly R&B is a little bit more of our modern history. The term rhythm and blues, often called R&B, originated in the 1940s when it replaced race music as a general marketing term for all African-American music. Though it usually referred to only secular, not religious music, the term first appeared in commercial recording in 1948 when RCA Victor Records began using blues and rhythm music as a descriptor for African-American secular songs. The migration of African-Americans to urban centers in the Northeast and Midwest during the early 20th century helped to bring various regional styles of African-American music together to influence one another. The migration also created new markets for these styles of music Early on, the term rhythm and blues was used for boogie-woogie, African-American swing, jazz, and blues. All these styles of music uh, influenced the development of what is called rhythm and blues today. The meaning of the term continued to change over time, and today it is still used as an umbrella term for many different African-American musical forms. Historically speaking, though, rhythm and blues, as we understand it today, most often describes a style of music that developed after World War I that combines elements of pop, gospel, blues, and jazz with a strong backbeat. The African-American styles that emerged in those years were often played by small groups that emphasized rhythmic drive over the instrumental and harmonic complexity of the swing orchestras. Their vocalists often sang in an uninhibited, uninhibited and emotionally direct style. In major cities, teenage vocal groups with little or no instrumental accompaniment were a growing presence. They took their inspiration from both gospel singers and successful African-American pop stylists. The term doo-wop is well known now, but it was not applied to these groups until much later. And it refers to the vocab, vocabs and nonsense syllables these groups sang to compensate for their lack of instruments. All these styles were significant to the development of rock and roll a few, a few years later. Um, though it began as a general term for African-American music, the synthesis of styles that became what is now called rhythm and blues caught on among a wide youth audience during the post-war period and contributed to changing the racial divide in American society and music of the mid-20th century. Initially, white artists such as Elvis Presley performed and recorded or covered rhythm and blues works by African-American composers in order for those songs to be marketed to white audiences. But the effect was to bring both audience, audiences and artists with an interest in this style of music together. 
The development of rhythm and blues occurred just as segregation became a growing social issue in American society. Both young, black, and white people wanted to see the popular performers of the day, and mixed groups of youths sang doo-wop together on the street corners of many urban centers. This provoked a strong reaction of proponents of segregation and, <laughs> and was one reason why rhythm and blues and early rock and roll were often seen as dangerous to America's youth. But with young people of all backgrounds identifying with these new musical styles, a generation was becoming ready for a more equal society. Um, today, according to Billboard, since 2017, the R&B hip-hop category has been the dominant music genre on the U.S. Billboard chart, becoming bigger than pop and rock. R&B and hip-hop have really come to define modern popular music with a reign that hasn't let up since, growing in market percentages year over year and accounting for almost 30% of all on-demand streams in the U.S. The first half of, first half of 2022, the R&B hip-hop variety is still far and away the industry leader producing new hits and superstars every day. Um, now, I do want to, uh, oh, and that, that comes from the Library of Congress again. Now, I do want to um, mention that uh, this is not just an American thing. Um, the same way that American music and culture was spread throughout the world, later movies, um, the the infrastructure that was built was on the back of jazz music. Jazz is another black um, art form, American black art form, as is um, rock and roll. Um, it did not start with rock and roll, did not start with Elvis Presley. Um, many folks attributed to Chuck Berry, and rightfully so. Um, and uh, but the point I'm making is that World War One, we sent our troops around the world. Those troops took jazz music, black American jazz music around the world. And then that turned the world onto American music, American culture and American entertainment. And, you know, how you nowadays see uh, black people's music um, being exported around the world that started way back then um, and it was through the military us sending our military around the world um, and in different parts of the world it got away from us you know um, but we are here to make sure that the story is told the right way that um, you know one thing about black people I believe is is very true is that we have no problem sharing our culture. Uh, what Q and I always say is, um, we don't mind if you um, eat from our table, just save us a seat. Um, and I think that that is, could be said about, you know, black music, black culture, elements of black culture all around the world. Um, we love sharing our culture. We, you know, I've, as someone who's been around the world, Q has been around the world too, um, to see, black American culture celebrated in places where you wouldn't expect it to be celebrated. Um, it's one of those few things that does give me um, some satisfaction and a little bit of hope that, you know, again, like Breonna Taylor, we weren't just born to die. We can be beautiful and strange for a few years and enjoy ourselves and smile and raise our children. And so um, thank you all for allowing me to share the history of R&B with you because music 
is something that is, of course, near and dear to Q's in my heart. Um, as you as you may or may not know, we're DJs and this is our background and we come from hip hop radio. So any chance we can talk about music, we'll take it. They love our rhythm. <laughs> they, however, do not seem to love our blues. Okay, I knew something profound was coming. I had to pause for it, but yeah. You're not wrong there, Q. Anyway, that's going to do it for us here on uh, Civic Cypher. So once again, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. I'm your host, Ramses Ja. He is Ramses Ja. I am Q Ward. You have once again been listening to Civic Cypher. Um, shows produced by our producer, Ms. Maggie, a.k.a. Maggie B. Knowing she do. Yes, indeed. Um, and do us a favor. Hit the website, civiccypher.com. Make a donation. Uh, Suit us some topics. Um let us know what you want to talk about. Uh, of course, you can donate. Our cash app is at Civic Cipher. So is our Venmo and all the rest of that stuff. The show is growing with your support. This is this is not free to do, and your support really does count. So please continue to support us, especially if you love the content. Um, and share the show. If you listen to us on a podcast platform, share it with your friends. Make sure that other folks know about it. Download it. Listen to the ads. Subscribe. Subscribe. Please. There it is. Um, and do all those good things. And until next week, y'all. Peace. Sidestepping the borders with press passes, we bring it to you as it happens. The streets love my crew for music and rapping. Street commander slash beat expander, here to fight the slander with the proper propaganda. What's happening? You got a question, then ask it. The news is just a TV show, get past it. And this from a quiet wartime journalist headlines. Wake up, refuse, and resist.